join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. God visits me in my dreams and wakes me up generally early in the morning, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I, my phone and my dictaphone is just feel, you know, I'll be like, like I play for you, Make It Rain, which is on my new CD. And I have all the recordings. Make it rain, <laughs> let your love rain. I mean, because my voice is trashed in the morning, you know. But he gives me all this stuff and I wake up and I write it down and I record it and so that I don't lose it. And then when I get in the studio, it's already finished in my sure. head. You got the roadmap, yeah. And I just go in and let him lead me, and, and I put down what I'm hearing in my head. Mm -hmm. Every part, just like I always did with the Sheiks. But Isle of Dreams is something very, very different and special. And uh, I think it's some of the greatest work I'll ever do in my life. Really? Yes. But, I yeah. was interested yeah. in uh, sort of the, the melding of genres um, I thought that was really cool. Did you listen to some of no, it? No. Okay. Well, we'll have to go through that. Um, but I, I, I really like the idea when artists cross over, it just kind of compounds their impact. And I feel like when you take genres and kind of cross-pollinate between the two, you appeal to a wider audience Amen. and you have a greater impact. And if there's a message tucked in with that, it goes further. Well, this is funny. Uh, when I when when the Lord started giving me all of dreams uh, with Robert White Johnson uh, of Nashville, it's amazing writer, uh, singer, drummer, everything, producer, um, and he's my brother uh, by another mother. Well, anyway, uh, but he, I was it was supposed to be my first solo record, mm -hmm. and, but everything uh, because Robert is also a starch Christian. Um, everything that was coming to me was from the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And so we had done five songs and Robert calls me and he lives in Nashville and I, live, I was living back home in St. Louis. Uh, newly minted as I call it in Christ for about 10 years when it happened. And uh, no, sorry, seven, I'm gonna keep the story straight. Anyway, Robert calls me and says, now Michael, I've been going with you, you know, it's just a sure record, but everything, you know, all the inspirations for the songs has come from you and then I write with you, we co-produce, blah, blah, blah. He says, you're gonna have to go with me on this. And I said, sure, what's up? He said, this is not about you and your solo, first solo record. And my pride, and I was like, inside I was like, oh shoot. I finally, you know, get to make a, 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 a record. Cause he wrote and produced Sandy Patty. He wrote, Where Does My Heart Beat Tonight for Celine Dion. I mean, like mm -hmm. he had a big career. I had a big career in the publishing game. Da -da -da. And I said, 
He said, now I know I can feel it, Michael, but listen to me. He said, this is a play. Interesting. And it was interesting. And you'd never, that had never occurred that to you That had before never that. occurred to me, because I'm thinking solo record, mm -hmm. that that's going to be based on the book of Revelations. Mm -hmm. Okay? But when he said that, the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's like, Every moment in my life since I've been, you know, saved, the Lord, when he speaks in my dreams, wakes me up, whatever, I feel that power. Mm -hmm. That first elemental power that saved my soul from mm -hmm. myself, okay, and made me whole. Boy, I know this sounds cliche-ish. Y'all stick with me now because I'm qualified. <laughs> but anyway, I've, I knew that the Lord had spoken to him. I didn't fight it. The Lord completely took the fight out of me for what I wanted mm -hmm. in favor of what he wanted. See, I often say you can't be a good leader if you don't know how to be led. Sure. I know how to be led as a child, you know, and, and even now. You have a better idea, I'm all over it. Mm -hmm. There's no fight. I can hear the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall not set because that's in stone. Make, that's constant creation. And the truth shall make you free because we're constantly, God is using us to make his truth, mm -hmm. the truth, the empirical truth. Okay, so on the phone, he said, he said, let's look at the songs and see if the characters will reveal themselves. And they did. How about that? So then it got, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's how it happened. And then I have to say spiritually and egotistically, it became very apparent with both of us that I was to play John the Revelator, mm -hmm. the central character. How about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine with that, no. But you know what I'm saying? Mary Magdalene. So in a nutshell, All of Dreams is the study of, of the book of Revelations based on G, uh, John the Revelator. He was the youngest. Mm -hmm. there, was, there was another John. But he was John the Beloved, John the Revelator. He walked with Jesus. He was the one that, that loved Christ and, and Christ loved him. He was the one that was at the cross, the only male disciple at the cross that Jesus said, John, he stopped dying long enough to say, John, behold thy mother. And he gave his mother, uh, Mother Mary, to John's safekeeping. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the importance of John, uh, among other things. And so we started approaching it like that. And so it's the study mm -hmm. of the disciples of Christ. Also, ladies, you'll be happy to know that uh, all through history, for whatever reason, women have been in 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 uh, in religion have been kind of relegated to the cheap seats, as I say. But and now they're coming forth. Thank God. You know, I have four sisters. I was raised with four sisters. So my sympathies are always with the ladies, always. Okay, because I saw what my sisters and all my cousins, female cousins and stuff, went through, and my mother. Da da da. So. You know, we, we, there, we study, it's musical 
study about the book of Revelation mm -hmm. as seen and, and lived through the apostles of Christ. Okay. You know, John the Baptist is in it. You know, the time he baptized Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's the first time that a man baptized a God on earth that we know of. On and on. We, we follow the progression to the, uh, to the cross and then beyond uh, with a look of heaven at the end. Right. And so it's a musical, it's a gospel rock opera. And yeah. Has it changed the way that you've seen other works? Because Queen comes to mind, uh, their, their music kind of plays out like an opera. Yeah. And the Beatles in and out of times, yes. Sure. On and on. Sure. Yeah. Well, I I would say yes uh, as far as the influences. I believe every person, uh, every, you know, uh, that's that's musical, you you're raised with different mu musicalities and mm -hmm. so you can't help but be influenced. Sure. You know, it's a smelting pot that what I believe God gives every musician and every writer, same thing with, uh, you know, literature and like that. You go into that grab bag, mm -hmm. uh, that eternal grab bag. This is the way I think of it. And God allows you to pull out what speaks to you to in turn impart to uh, humanity. Sure. And so all the different musicalities, as you were saying, it's true. Uh, I was raised with gospel music, opera, you know, I performed as pork in Porky and Bess, I played sport in life, you know. Everything that I've experienced as a child has helped to shape me to who I am Absolutely. today and, and all through it, you know. Um, and, and you can't help it. Uh, but God, if you are listening, this is the way I believe people if you are really listening to that inspiration that source just for you here's the best way i can explain it thank you lord i hadn't explained this in years i there is a radio station mm -hmm. that plays 24 hours a day even in my sleep mm -hmm. in my head um, yep okay mm -hmm. what happens is when god is giving me something I zero in on that one song that nobody's ever heard. Mm -hmm. And all of it is stuff that, that I've never heard on radio or records or anything. But I, when God attunes me into that one thing, I can write that. I sure. can drown out in my mind. I know it's like in our circles, but it's the truth for me. I can drown all that out in favor of that one song, mm -hmm. that one idea for a book and then the characters start speaking to me Give it some clarity. i don't know if you noticed on facebook i have a running characters of 15 different characters mm -hmm. that i play that's a family i've been doing this since i was six years old and now with the advent of social media i bring it to light everybody loves it sure. and i love doing it because i wake up and i say who's talking so see for me it's like anybody else's job if you've done it long enough you get into a zone mm -hmm. and you know what you're doing and you know how to do it. Although every day in different ways you have to alter or be whatever, 
you know, make different changes for what is happening at that moment in your life sure. and that day. So it's the same thing when we write. You know, you you pick uh, what God is, uh, you know, centering and focusing your mind on, and you focus in on that song by song by song by song. Sure. Okay? Or book by book, you know, the characters. You had mentioned in a previous discussion that at the age of six, you recalled your father giving a sermon on the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And it was that sermon that inspired you at the age of six to write your first composition. Correct. Um, in your adult life, you returned once again to the book of Revelation in the form of a gospel rock opera. Um, to give the audience an insight on your perspective of the book of Revelation, I'd like you to tell me about the impact it had on you upon first reading it. I'd like to understand why it had such an effect on you. Thank you for asking that question because it's very interesting to me to, to be able to answer. As a child, you know, in a child's mind, it was, it was so fantastical, mm -hmm. you, know, uh, uh, you know, and then correlating it with, you know, being made to correlate it with the Holy Scriptures, you know, at that age, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, reading a sci-fi movie or something like that. Sure. You know, in a child's mind, the way you a child perceives it, it's like, wow, you're making constant <laughs> O's, you know, wow, oh my God. And then you get scared mm -hmm. and then you get happy and then you get scared again, you know, all those things. And then for me, as another of millions and millions of children who have been blessed with, you know, musical gifts and what have you. Um, I just, you know, I had to write about it. You know, I had no choice. I, it was like, you know, and I think I sang to you on, on one of the, everybody's coming to the end, yeah. end to the end, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what was encapsulated in my imagination. Mm -hmm. All of that. And my father, rest in peace, was the most amazing orator. He, you know, it was like Sermon on the Mount. It was like Charlton Heston or something. Animated. Know? And God said, you uh -huh. know, and he was very Wagnerian in his delivery and everything. So I learned about projection. I learned, I learned the Holy Scriptures. And I also, he really did capture any age uh, group of people listening to him. He, whether they agreed or not, he could capture their imagination. Mm -hmm. And so that was a great... Um, God, why do I want to cry? Well, he's gone. But it was a great, you know, uh, moment in my, my build, the building of my imagination, the building sure. of performance, you know. Your, and, idolation, and your idolization yeah. for your father, too. Exactly. I, imagine, I know. mean, you know, but I wasn't the only one in the audience or the only age group that was catching flies, <laughs> you know, when every time he spoke. But yeah, that's how it, it started. And of course, as I told you, my parents bought a piano almost yes. simultaneously. Uh, the piano came first, then the sermon, and uh, my imagination was open to the, the book of Revelations uh, as a child. Sure. It's because of you that I, I, uh, I won't say I went and read it, but I did the book on audio, huh? or the audio book, and started listening to some of the book of Revelation because it was so significant in your story, and I wanted to understand um, do you feel as though the underlying message from the book of Revelation has a positive impact on humankind? And I say that, I ask that because it's riddled with consequence. Do you think it improves us as people in any way and how? Good. 
You're a great question, uh, ask or however you want to say that. Uh, yes, I think it improves us because knowledge of any kind mm-hmm. is positive, even when it's scary, even when it, 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 you know, it bothers your spirit. But if it's a true knowledge, mm-hmm. there's growth that one can uh, gain from that. If one will, will take it in in the sense of opening your mind at least for the possibility sure. of it. But again, I think it, it is uh, subversive in the sense of the listener uh, that's being you know, exposed to any kind of a knowledge. You, uh, how we grow individually is f- who we are and who we don't know that we're developing into, but we get an inkling through knowledges that, that, that come to us. And, and if, if a person does this with knowledge, either you're, you're just listening or you go, that to me means that something is getting in a kernel of truth right. or a kernel of supposition or a kernel of, hmm, I didn't think about that. I would not have considered that. And that's wonderful. That's what knowledge should do. Sure. You take it in, you try to understand what it's trying to say to you and then you try to add it to your overall experience of life so as a as an educational tool and i guess the spark of curiosity uh you're saying that it has value there every knowledge Um, has value the the book of revelation itself and and the 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 the, uh mentioning of consequence Mm -hmm. um what do you feel that should, or what do you say that instills in people? Don't you think that all experiences have consequences? I know I do. Sure. For the good or for the bad, or just to be able to experience what one is going through. All experiences are valuable to us. It's how we perceive it. Mm-hmm. It's how we take it in. It's how we reject it. Um, you know, and everybody has that God-given right to, you know, the, you know, the, the, the book of Revelation, as you're saying, with consequences, is, I think it's very valid, especially today, with mm-hmm. what's happening in the overall world and the scheme of things. See, I'm the, I don't want to be, you know, Sermon on the Mountain and all like that, but the Bible said that thousands and thousands of years ago that what is happening right now is happening. Right. Okay. We just happen to be in this time dispensation when the Bible is being fulfilled, Mm -hmm. but it's always every, every, uh, verse, every chapter, every word in the Bible has been self-fulfilling throughout the existence of humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, we, you know, theologians, whatever you want to call us or whatever, you know, or the end times, that's, that's an encapsulation of what is happening now. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to me. And it's also, I take it as uh, heartfelt uh, that God loved us enough to send his holy word to prepare us. Right. Because for me personally, this isn't for everybody or anybody just for Michael O'Hara. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't been prepared for what's happening now through the Holy Word that was written thousands and thousands of years ago, 
I would be an unhappy camper. I would really be afraid. I would just want to stay in my room and huddle and, you know, just sure. wait for the bomb to drop, you know. Right. But because I personally, again, personally, not for everybody, whatever, for Michael, I have a walk with Christ because of the Holy Word that I'm not always up to the challenge. I'm not, you know, I make mistakes every day, all day long, you know. I may blink wrong at somebody. I mean, you know, I'm being facetious, but I have a hope in Christ that I really believe completely and intrinsically that when I leave this earth, I'm going to him, to God. Sure. And that I will live with him forever. I believe it with everything in me. Mm -hmm. And that makes me happy, especially when... You know, I'm not this bury your hand, head in the sand ostrich. I watch the news. I just do it once a day because it's basically the same. Unless they do something crazy and then I'll hear about that at night or whatever. Or friends will call me or text me and say, did you, hear? Mm. you know, whatever. But I get enough of what's going on in the world every day to be knowledgeable. But I'm not going to let it define me or define what I'm doing now with my life. Because, hey, if and when the bomb drops... I won't even feel it. You won't have time to sure. do anything. <laughs> first be, to go. Bam. First to go, last to go. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, bam. So why should I fear when I know that my God has a home sure. for my soul? The Bible says when we die, the soul goes back to the God that gave it. Mm -hmm. I just happen to be one of those that believe it with everything in me. I know sure. it with my own being. Not for everybody, but for me. Sure. And so I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. As a child, when I wrote Everybody Comes to the End, I was scared to death. And the dreams <laughs> I had, I was shaking. You, okay, I wait, went. wait, wait, wait. So you were scared of what you were learning through the book of Revelation, uh -huh. but you still made it such a, a merry jingle of a production. That's uh, Well, even that's at that ironic. age, I always liked to hit. <laughs> I always liked to hit chorus, you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. I was taught, you know, for that's gospel hilarious. music, those those choruses, and then, you know, of course, I was listening to Motown and stuff like that. Yeah. the fly. Yeah. Or the sly, <clears throat> you know. Um, and, and, you know, Barry Gordy, God bless him. Because he made his writers, which were also his artists. If you're going to write, you got to have that chorus. You got to have that hit chorus, you know, that everybody can sing along with. So sure. I had so many, you know, influences. And gospel music is very, very hyper, the chorus. The, you know, that chorus, you can do all this other stuff. But that chorus, you know, and all of the other wonderful white black people that in the faith, you know, Rock of ages, cleft for me. Who's you don't have to believe in God, but I would say 90% of the populace of the world have heard that song, sure. You know, and precious Lord, take you're my, gonna feel it, you know, on and on. <laughs> you, you know, if you got a great chorus, you know, I'm going off on that part because I was scared, and I can't even say how scared I was the way I would like to say it. But I right, was scared right. uh, 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 listening and reading all that stuff. But to me, it all signified with everybody's coming to the end. Not the most cheerful thing. <laughs> but celebratory but, nonetheless. Exactly. It's yeah. what the Bible says. <clears throat> this world cannot go on much longer the way that it is. And I think everybody, every intelligent being, spiritual or not, 
every intelligent being I believe on the planet knows that we cannot continue for Would much longer agreement. with yeah. what we've done with the earth and the powers that be and what's going on in cyberspace and all that stuff. Sure. You know, we've got all we're all targeted all around the world with all these bombs and stuff like that. But I mean, the ozone layer, I mean, we could go, you know, sure. the ecology of the earth we mess with for all these centuries and stuff. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Look, I'm not giving up my hairspray. I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay, so I'm guilty. We're all guilty and I want we all want what we want. We all want to believe what we want, but you know, there are certain empirical truths to me that I think we all see. And so what's happening, you know, we can't control that man over there in Russia, sure. you know. Um, you know, unless it's like, you know, Osama bin Laden, they had to take him out. Right. You know, we don't know, but the Bible predicted all of this. Sure. If one will accept that. And I'm not I say not going all Jesus y and all that stuff and but the Bible said it first. That comforts Michael O'Hara, me, as a human being and as a humanist, because something has to give with this. And the Bible has predicted it. Right. So I take heart in that. And that's why I can smile. This isn't a false smile. My soul smiles every day because I know I'm closer and closer to he who made us all. Yeah. Excellent. Um, once it was decided that the album was to become a play, um, what was the first order of business? And I suppose this would be from a technical aspect. What You're talking about Isle of Dreams. Yes. Well, see, Isle of Dreams was supposed to be my first gospel album ever. Okay. And uh, I wrote the whole thing with Robert White Johnson and different songs with him always. He and I, we co-wrote, we co-produced it. You know, uh, and then with Denise Rich uh, and people that I had written, I brought as many of, of my the great writers that I had already worked with in the industry. As soon as I started playing what they, you know, I said, I'd like you to write with us, but hearing is believing. And they got the vision and stuff. And they realized that I had made a very, very uh, monumental change in my life. I had given up drugs and alcohol and sex and all that stuff. And they knew that I was real, for real in my faith and what was making me a better person, mm -hmm. you know. And so then they heard the music that had already, Robert and I had already written. And they're like, we want to be on board that. So I was able to pull down those people like that. Then to sing, what happened was Robert calls me. We were five uh, songs into what was supposed to be my gospel, first gospel rock uh, my first gospel album. Okay. And he says, okay, Michael, I've been, because he's the one that said when we started working, look, you're going to, you know, you're going to lead me for every song because you're the one that's going to have to sing all this stuff for the rest of your life. Okay. So he calls me up after five songs and said, now you're going to have to go with me. He changed the whole scope of the landscape. Right. I remember. Yeah. And so that's how he said, this is a play. And so we started right then and there, hand to God, he knows my heart. We started uh, thinking about each of the five songs and we, the characters revealed themselves. Sure. But I have to also say <laughs> that I was like, as long as I'm the central character, 
Yeah. Because it's supposed to be my album. Okay? Right, okay. Now, I can go with it being a play, but I won't play the real. No, you know, yeah. I'm serious. That's just my ego, you know. Yeah. Just keeping it real. And uh, I could see that John would, you know, John the Beloved, you know, there were two Johns, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, John, he's the one that was at the cross with Mother Mary, and he's the one that Jesus stopped dying on the cross and said, John, behold, your mother, mother, behold your son. He gave his, uh, John, his mother, you know, and he's also the one that said, refresh me with apples for I'm sick with love. He loved the Savior so much, you know, and they had a very, he, of course, Christ had, you know, an amazing uh, relationship with everybody, but that was a particularly close relationship. You know, because John was so young. He was the youngest. Mm-hmm. And he saw his heart. Okay, anyway, so I was fine when I knew I was going to play John. All right, so you established that. <laughs> and then um, in order to... So you've made this shift in your minds that it's going to be a play. Uh, a play. Um, so uh, what do you do to start making that happening? Do you still have songs to write to complete oh, this God, body yes. of work? Oh, God, yes. We've written 34 songs. Okay. And then we had to parallel down to, you know, two acts, uh-huh. you know. But with every step, the power of God was surging in us. And uh, it always started with me at my piano in St. Louis because I was back home taking care of my parents. My sister did it and this whole other thing. Uh, but very late at night when it was quiet, I would go down into the basement where I first started learning to mm-hmm. play the keyboard, the piano, on that same piano that my first piano, Fantastic. my parents was, yeah, it was amazing. I wrote everything on that. And then I would develop it. I would call Robert, play it for him over the phone, you know. And we didn't have, you know, uh, the phones that we have today. I'm talking about with the cord, uh, you know, like it was just Roger. one step up from uh two cans in a string. You know? <laughs> okay. But I would hook crooked and I would play and sing. He was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I hear this, I hear that, you know, and we would write. And then I would go down to Nashville after about four songs to where Robert still lives to this day in Hendersonville. And um, we would work the song and then we would record it on the spot. But what I started doing was I, went, I was led by God to go back to all the gospel singers that I knew and grew up with uh, that were just amazing. Mm -hmm. And I would present, I would do a dinner for each one at the house. I hadn't seen them in like 35 years because I was in the industry in LA and New York. And um, they would always freak when I would call them first and say, Michael, wow, wow, I haven't heard da da da. I want you to come to dinner. Because when it comes to gospel singers, you got to feed them or she ain't getting nothing out of them. <laughs> so I, feed, I would feed them. And then I would take them down in the basement and I'd start playing this stuff. And then, uh, you know, or I would play, you know, the what Robert and I had recorded. Every, and I'd say, I want you to play this role. I want you to play that role. You know, and knowing their voices, having, you know, been raised with them. I knew which ones, and the Holy Spirit was, you know, pinpointing which one should sing what based on what he wanted and also based on my knowledge of their vocals. So the Holy Spirit was a casting director. There was no question about it. No (laughs) question. He called their names. He would bring them to me in dreams, everything, you know. And so that's how the cast was built. Yeah. And these people, ironically, 
like what I'm doing today for Rabbit Ash Records with acquisitions, these people have been singing all their lives, known throughout the, you know, the church world, but never had the big successes mm -hmm. like I had had as a writer producer in the industry. So I was also giving them a chance to go higher. Absolutely. You know, and to bless their lives, you know, taking them, you know, into an arena to where they could minister, but to a higher, uh, let's say, a higher group of people everywhere white, black, you know, Hispanic, whatever, on the bigger stages, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was led to do. And you can't beat it. We played um, Powell Symphony Hall uh, three nights in a row. It was sold out every night. We played in all the big cathedrals and churches. We went, and then we went to, Br I took them to Branson, mm -hmm. Missouri, and we played on the big stages for three and a half years. That's where I was going next. I wanted to ask, <laughs> I wanted to ask uh, how it went uh, for the cast side and, and for the, uh, the audience side, you know. I can tell you, most of the, the husbands of the female part of the cast Hated my guts because, <laughs> not really, I'm just being facetious, uh, but we had to live sort of like, it, it took everybody back to college years because um, I had to get 12 hotel rooms mm -hmm. out of the Branson Theater that was also housed in uh, uh, next door to, to where they had the, their hotel. Okay. And they gave me 12 rooms for free. Beautiful. And uh, as part of the deal. And they, uh, you know, so we all in a row, the basement rooms, which were still the same as upstairs, but we had the whole lower basement floor of rooms for everybody to stay in. Everybody had their room, blah, 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 blah. If their husbands or wives came, you know. Great. Hey, you know, great. For a conjugal visit. No. <laughs> but... <laughs> Again, you know how crazy I am. Yes. You should know I know. But anyway, no, it was wonderful. And so, you know, at night, every people would be going to each other's room and powwowing and yeah. laughing and all like that. But there was no drinking, no smoking or anything like that allowed with my cast. But they didn't do that anyway, yeah. you know. But we were a family. And so every morning, we'd have to, like at six o'clock, we would have to be in full makeup and the costumes that I had made for that and go to all the hotel breakfast rooms and the, the mm -hmm. you know, and the cafes and all like that with our cards, advertising, they call you know, the cards. Uh, and we would hand them out while we were singing songs acapulco, as I call it, acapella. Roger. <laughs> you know, to advertise. Mm -hmm. We had to advertise it every day. And then we had uh, two shows. You know, and uh, so they got a taste of it and they could see it. That's what all the all the acts and shows do. They have to do that. You yeah. Know? One, it comes in, you get one song and you hand out your card, you know, your um, everything that with your pictures and advertising the theater and everything. And so we did that for three and a half years. It was wonderful. Right. Really? It was you enjoyed wonderful. it. Oh, like I said, you know, we were a bit older by then, of course. But it felt like we were in college, like mm -hmm. we were a college troupe or something, you know. And I was able to teach them about, you know, staging because all they had done is perform as singles. But to pull it together. But fortunately, they knew the word of God. 
Yeah, and that they, helps. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> They're familiar with the so, script. <laughs> yeah, like me, when I started, everybody's kind they they knew, you know, um, because the Bible is is really, you know, it's 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 been it came into existence from reporters. Yeah. Okay. That walked with God, that were inspired by God, the whole thing. So, you know, we knew the scenario. So for me to stage it, they already had a working knowledge of what that could possibly be. Uh, but I taught them, you know, staging and stuff like that, how to. But there were a few that had been in a few gospel plays and stuff like that, say, you know, uh, anyway, it was wonderful in the lighting and all the stuff. And I was the, one of the first to have a video being played out on the screen, the story, mm -hmm. the stories of the Bible as it pertained to the action on stage. It was depicted on the okay, screen. So oh, I got you. That's nice. Because I also, the Lord told me it would be too much money to have a full orchestra. So I had the whole play done with the tracks. And on the screen, it was imposed, you know, the, the, uh, the video was, it was very innovative, I have to say, I believe. And so the music played, but then you got all these huge speakers and stuff. So it sounded like an orchestra. Sure. And it saved me $25,000 a night, which I didn't have. Right. Because I was taking care of the cast. Yeah. So we had all the orchestrations I had done with the recording, with Robert and the whole thing. So, you know, and it played act one and act two beautiful and with all the the movies and videos that that were strewn together to bring so that a person could see what was happening on stage but they could also view it on the screen sure you know which was a different in the sense of sometimes they have screens of course in these big arenas or whatever where the live action mm -hmm. is happening with this this was a biblical video uh, you know, with everything and the action was happening. So people were just, you know, your imagination mm, sure. was uh, a, allowed to, you know. Yeah. That's fantastic. To run riot. Mm -hmm. I got to ask, um, sure. are there any plans to resume Isle of Dreams once COVID subsides? Who? It's funny. The other day I hadn't in, it's been two and a half years since that, first sure cool you know wave. everything shut down um i was going by the theater and the lord said stop in and i hadn't been this theater is uh, jefferson performing arts theater is just state of the art mm -hmm. and there was another play of children's play going on mm -hmm. and uh, the buses school buses and everything like that and uh I was, you know, I was reticent for you just a, a second. You got you know. a bug. <laughs> but I walked in and everybody on the staff was just like, Michael, we haven't seen you. you know, and they were hugging me and I was hugging them, you know, with mask on. But anyway, um, it was wonderful to walk in there. And so I asked them after a time or after a fashion, however you want to say that, can I go just take a peek of what's happening? And I started crying when I walked, you know, up very high up where people could see me and saw that beautiful edifice and those children mm -hmm. on stage performing out of their souls, you know, sure. with the costumes and stuff. And of course, you know, further answering your question, you know, 
I began to dream a little bit for like a second or so and I saw us on that stage, you know, and I was like, wow, Lord, you gave me all of this in your hands, but I ain't got the money now, you know, because the money I spent, you know, for that, I got most of it back and I live on it today because sure. it's very expensive to put on a production. And I told the Lord when he shut it down that time, I said, you're going to have to provide the money. I mean, I work for that money, you know what I'm saying? But hopefully an investor said, I definitely have hopes of of doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some of them are no longer with, with us. Um, but there are others that God would have to bring to the table to do it, you know. But um, So we're going to leave that question open. It's definitely open. It's as a possibility. All things are open with me with God. Sure. If he says do it, then he will make the way to do it. And the theater is like, we are dying for you to come back and do that because they, of course, had seen the rehearsals and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they had heard the music, they had the CD, you know. And, um, you know, because it just is what it is. Okay. And, I'm not... So there's a possibility. So that's we're just going to leave it as an open. Maybe, I mean, no, maybe it's it's, uh, <clears throat> it's very possible. It's very possible. Whatever God wants to do with it further, I I do have plans to sign the music to Rabidash Records. Okay. And put out the music. Okay. Properly. Okay. All right. Under the its original name, Isle of Dreams. Of course. Okay. Yeah, Isle of Dreams. Yes, and. Uh, John is salivating. That's the president, John G. O. Ten. He's salivating, you know, to have it on his label, mm -hmm. you know, because he he was going to play Satan. <laughs> That's funny. And I'm sorry that I could only do typecasting with him, but no. <laughs> <laughs> But I, that's an that old John? joke. That's <laughs> an old joke between us. But yeah, uh, he he had the. I had him in the costume. He was, you know, he he was there for the rehearsals, especially that night. That the rest of the cast flew in from St. Louis. It was the first time the the different ones from here, but the main cast from St. Louis. I flew them in. And everybody was hugging and crying that we were all together and on the stage again sure. after all those years. And we started rehearsing and I mean, all the workers, you know, to the people that clean the theater all the time were sitting in there just crying and watching, you know, they couldn't believe it. And then, in, you know, uh, halfway through the, the, you know, the first time of, of uh, practice, we get the call from the governor and he said, we were the last ones to be shut down, the last theater. Oh, really? And that's what led me to think that it w God was going to allow it to happen because I know all the other shows and stuff in town that, that were saying or all of them shutting down, shutting down. Sure. And I just, we all just kept praying and praying and that, that God allowed them to come together with the other cast members here. We're on stage practicing for the first time having the time of our life, glorifying God, and they shut us down. Yeah, the everybody, last. everybody. It was terrible. And I had made a huge dinner here at, 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 in my home, you know, a cast party, and, you know, for us to celebrate. You know, I had them up at the, they had their own rooms at the Hilton. I mean, I really 
did the top dollar thing for them. God knows my heart. So when he's ready, if he's ready, he will make it happen. Gotcha. All right. And uh, as for right now, your current projects, they can catch you at Rabidash Records. I'm at, well, I start performing. I'm going back in what I call harness. Uh, I'm going to start performing again. Okay. I start back at Fleming's. Every Thursday, I play Fleming's in Metairie mm-hmm. on Causeway. And then every Friday, I play the Chop House, and that's on Poitras in Magazine. Uh, you know, Fleming's is 5 to 9. Uh, the Chop House on Fridays is uh, 6 to 10. And I'm going to start slowly opening my voice because um, I had pneumonia. Mm. Again, for the third time in my life. But the the Lord has given me, said go, and also the doctors confirmed it. Uh, yesterday I uh, went and for another series of things when you get my age. I just keep letting them do a checking, you know, which is good. Sure. You know, sure. to stay healthy and to stay alive. And uh, so I'm, I'm cleared uh, for service again every week I'm gone. And then I'll start adding two more days. I think I'm only going to do four nights a week, but those two dates are pat, you know. Okay. I had others I was doing, but I got to start opening my lungs. A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Because I sing for four hours without a break. I don't stop. Once I start, I have a shift of four hours. And so we'll see what God wants to do. All right. The Chop House and Fleming's. Fleming's on Thursdays, uh, Chop House on Fridays. And Rabidash Records. And Rabidash. I'm signing artists, making acquisitions, work that's been done years ago that never came out but deserves to. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, this is Levi from Miss Flair, Southern Brutality in 1016. Look, man, we all start off as jam bands. Get together, we push our souls all throughout the speakers, man. Simple as that. The connections that we form with our crowds and followers is nothing like any other. And we'd love to have you back. Click that on button, show your support, or you can check us out at Buy Me a Coffee. Black Lives? Black Lives? Black Lives? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Buy Me a Coffee, Black Lives. Black Lives. That's Buy Me a Coffee, Black Lives. You want music? I said. Buy me a coffee, backslash, yours music. I have spoken. Yeah, 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 yeah.